the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rody Fisher. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. Lord, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I pray, Father, that you would let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you. Lord, be with um, <clears throat> Sean and, and also Guy in the booth, as well as, again, my special guest, Carrie, and myself. We ask that you would be with each of us, Lord, and show us what to do. Let us lead and guide us, Lord, now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to depart from Psalm to this morning and talk to you about, or we're going to just read um, Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus. And the reason is, <clears throat> in preparation for Carrie's um, talk, which is going to be on Christmas and Hanukkah and some and of the, the holiday holidays. Season, yeah. Okay. So we're going to start um, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping their watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings and great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you a child, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was an angel with a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So, obviously, a lot of people have heard those verses at, at many of the Christmas services that we've all attended. And so Carrie wants to talk about this kind of from his perspective 
as well as maybe the Jewish perspective. And and so go ahead. Welcome, Carrie. Thank well, you thank for you very much. battling that traffic. That was so good of you. I appreciate you coming. Yeah, you live here in Southern California. You got to put up with the traffic, right? So Carrie Hoffman has been here. I think this is maybe his eighth show. So if you haven't seen his testimony, um, please watch on On the Road with Jesus and Episode 8. It would be Carrie Hoffman's testimony there or any of his shows or on um, for repeat watching. Go ahead, Carrie. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Rody, for reading those verses from Luke. Um, I want to talk about the wise men. The wise men appeared, and in Matthew 2 it says, in verses 7 through 11, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And that's the star of Bethlehem, of course. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down, and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So my question is, do you understand the significance of these gifts? It seems normally would be odd gifts for a baby. Yeah, kind of odd gifts for a baby, but those are valuable items. They're very valuable, um, definitely. Frankincense, gold, of course, gold, of course, and myrrh. In those days, they were highly prized. So giving that to the Messiah, I think that was apropos. Well, let's look in Exodus chapter 30. Verses, uh, I'm going to read uh, a few different verses here. And these were the commandments that God was giving through Moses. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shittim wood thou shalt make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four square shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Hmm the top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. So the incense altar in the temple was made, was covered in gold. Then in verse 23 it says, Take thou also unto the principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon half so much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus 250 shekels. And then in verse 34, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto these sweet spices, Stacti and Anicha and Galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall be a like weight. You see, these three gifts represent the incense offerings that were made in the temple, right? The frankincense and the myrrh were two key ingredients in the incense, and they were offered on a golden altar. When Jesus was a baby, our interaction with Jesus was limited to the fact that he was a baby, right? But a baby can smell and appreciate the smells of the sweetness of the incense offering. Therefore, offering Jesus the gift of the temple sacrifice that he could appreciate as a baby. Interesting. So to me, it seems that they were 
trying to worship him in a way that even a baby would be could, able to could enjoy. Could enjoy. Okay, but I know for a fact that um, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph had to flee Bethlehem and take off to Egypt because of Herod. And so my thought is that was perfect because now they had the funds to take them over there. Yeah. They had the funds to travel. Absolutely. I mean, there could, there could be many different aspects of this gift. So you're absolutely right. It could have been very helpful right? in their fleeing and, and, and in being able to support themselves while they're in Egypt. Right. So I'm, mean, not, I'm not saying any of these other reasons are wrong. I just see the temple incense offering and that's the, a, and, and That's the a great connection. I love that. Okay. So, <clears throat> so now let's talk about the amazingness of Jesus' birth. What an amazing thing, the most amazing thing possible, how God himself in one of his persons descended to earth and became flesh and walked among us. And he didn't come here to condemn the world, but to save the world. As it says in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 47, And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I come not to judge the world, but to save the world. Mm -hmm. It's the greatest story ever told and worthy of a major celebration. Taking one day a year to celebrate the Lord's birth on earth is very worthwhile. We Christians remember our Lord, follow him, and celebrate him. But let's talk about Jesus' birth versus the celebration of Christmas, especially the way we celebrate it today. But while the story of Jesus' birth is clearly recorded in the Bible, the date he was born and the idea of establishing a holiday to celebrate his birth is not. Mm-hmm. In fact, we really do not know the exact date of his birth. But it's, well, kind of, sort of, because we know that he, you know, we know that um, Mary, when when John the Baptist was in the womb of of um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, and Mary walked into the room already pregnant. It, the Bible records that and he was six months, it, it, she was six months pregnant. So I would guess that Jesus would be born, um, you know, at least nine months later, right? I'm going to talk about my ideas on when I think Jesus was born. And if, if you have a different theory, that's, that's great, too. Or if it coincides with mine, that would be great, too. Okay. Because it's all conjecture. It really is. Right. Um, we don't know. But, you know, the point is, um, so when do you think he was born? Around what month? I'm guessing because the shepherds were in the field and mm -hmm. I've been to Israel. And it's really cold in the wintertime, mm -hmm. like December. Yeah. I, I would guess that um, since the sheep were out there. It was probably in the spring. Because I'm going to say closer to maybe Easter. See, I was thinking it's in the fall. You're thinking in the fall. And I'm going to give you... A born or... Born in the fall. And I'm going to bring in some biblical verses that give me that idea. But it's, it's not standard Christian thinking. It's an opinion. Okay. okay. So... I, I, I completely admit I could be wrong, but I do want to share my 
my thoughts, my opinion. Okay. Okay. I just shared mine. That's great. No, you, you have a great, that's, that's very good. I have to look into that. I never thought of that. But I do want to go back and, and see that. So that, that, that's, that's very interesting. But not knowing the actual day Jesus was born is not really a problem for, our, for us Christians because, again, we are remembering his birth. We're not observing his birth. It's not like there was a law you have to celebrate on a certain day. And as I've said in some of my other studies, a remembrance, you can pick whatever day you want to do a remembrance. So picking December 25th as your day of remembrance is perfectly okay. Whether he was born in the spring or the fall, and definitely not in the winter, it, it, it's still okay to celebrate it in December. Okay, and as I've, I've said before, um, I'm, I'm repeating from the prior study here how we celebrate the Sabbath, we, we, we uh, celebrate the Sabbath on Sunday because we're remembering the Sabbath, not observing it. We remember Jesus through communion, we're not observing a law, right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise we could only do communion on Passover. Mm-hmm. So the idea of December 25th being his birthday has a few issues. And just like you said, the shepherds were out in the fields at night. And in Israel, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, they're up in the hills. It gets cold in the winter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it even snows. It would be unlikely that the shepherds would be out in the fields with their flocks. They'd be, you know, warm in a barn or a manger. All the animals were in a manger. They weren't outside. So that seems unlikely. But the bigger issue with Christmas for me, while celebrating the birth of Jesus seems to have evolved to have elements that do not seem connected to the birth of Jesus. Right? It seems that Christmas as we celebrate it today has gone beyond that. Oh, yeah. If we look at the symbols of Christmas, and especially the mad commercialism that has overtaken the holiday, right? The day, this, this day looks quite different. You know, all the all the advertising, everybody at the mall, you know, buying buying themselves into debt to make to give presents to everyone. This was never in the Bible, right? How it went from a manger and wise men and a star of Bethlehem to malls full of crazy shoppers, Santa Claus and Christmas trees is quite a transformation. Yeah. But I still love Christmas. Not saying you shouldn't. It's a very lovable holiday, no question. It, it's all good, I mean, but it's not, it, it seems to have gone beyond what the right. original biblical story was. Now, I'm going to get a little bit negative here and talk about my own personal experiences. This is just me, okay? You know, being of a Jewish uh, descent, when I was a kid being Jewish, I did not like Christmas or the Christmas season. Because I felt society was pushing a religious holiday from another religion on me. I, I was Jewish. Christmas had nothing to do with Judaism as a religion. And I didn't like the fact that this whole world went crazy, you know, for the month of December, all obsessed with this holiday. You know, it, it's like, you know, we talk about the separation of church and state in this country where, you know, where we have the church, which is your own religion that you decide, and then we have the state, which is the government and everything else. But it seems like that just flew right out the window when it came to Christmas. Okay? 
So what happened when I finally was saved? Okay, I finally was saved. I was actually very excited about finally being able to celebrate Christmas as a Christian. Right? But I found out that if you're a Christian and your family isn't, it becomes extremely hard to celebrate. Because the first few Christmases, I tried to celebrate with friends, people I knew from the church, and it just it just didn't work out, and I ended up spending Christmas alone. And since everything was closed and there was nowhere to go, and there was no one to celebrate with, it became a lonely, unpleasant experience for me. Sorry to say. I also, again, disliked the commercialism of the holiday, how everyone seemed to forget about Jesus and his birth, and concentrated. They made it the day of Santa Claus, not the day of Jesus. They made it the day of presents, not the day of celebrating the Lord's birth. And, and, and it seemed kind of hypocritical to me, because people and institutions that never said or did anything positive for Jesus were suddenly now deeply involved in Christmas, right? Deeply involved promoting it, pushing it, you know, commercials on TV, one after another, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Every commercial had the sound of the jingle bells and had Santa Claus in it. And it almost seemed to me like the sound of the jingle bells they were thinking would trigger someone into wanting to buy their products. Well, I I don't think you can blame the church for that necessarily. Not, not blame I the mean, church this at is all. something this is something that the stores um, have commercialized the holiday like they've commercialized every single holiday. You know, Mother's Day gets commercialized, uh, Father's Day, you, you see all the commercials. Well, you buy a card. Right. But Oh, this has nothing to do with the church. I'm not saying anything negative about the church. I'm, I'm saying that people capitalized on Christmas and something oh, I, I that should have been a spiritual experience became madly physical and materialistic. Yeah, I, they I took totally the opportunity of, of Christmas and took it to a very far extreme. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the fact that it's not spiritual is what bothered me. Like, for example, I love the Christmas carols where we sing about Jesus. Oh, holy night, silent night. But the Frosty the Snowman songs and, this, and, and, and the sleigh ride together with you and all that, I, I don't have time for that stuff. Okay. You know what I I'm saying? Again, this is all just me personally. Yeah. Maybe you, you love Christmas. I know you do. And I think I even came to your house once for Christmas. You did. And, and it was very nice. You did. It was very lovely. But I can't come to your house every year. That just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, let's talk about my theory on when Jesus actually was born. Okay? And it's just a theory. So, I look to the Old Testament. And I look in Leviticus chapter 23, and it says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Now, saying was not Moses' last name. Right. That's an old, that was an old joke oh, okay. in the rabbinical school. What is Moses' last name? Saying. Okay. Okay. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, You shall have a Sabbath, a memorial, a blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Okay, we're talking about the festival of the trumpets, right? Mm -hmm. What the Jews called Rosh Hashanah. Mm -hmm. But the Bible doesn't say trumpets. Right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't say, it's translated trumpets, right? 
But the word they use is not the word for trumpet, which, by the way, the Jews use the ram's horn as their trumpet. The word in the Hebrew is truah, a day of truah. So what does truah mean? I don't know. Truah means the broken blast. Which is blowing of the trumpet. Now, but understand, there's different ways to blow. There is the tekiah, which is do one stops, you know, one solid steady thing. And then there's truah, which is do, 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 like that. And then they, the Jews added another one, shivarim, which is do, true, true, but that's just they were confused about how to do the truah. But basically, they do tekiah, truah, tekiah. The full blast, the broken blast, and the full blast. Okay? Now, it is the day of the broken blast. It is announcing the broken blast. They're announcing something. They don't know what they're announcing, but they're announcing it, and there's a little bit of sadness in the announcement. Okay? So, I look at that symbolism, and I say, this is really strange. It almost looks to me like the Trinity. The whole blast, the first blast, the Tekiah is the Father. Jesus is the broken blast because he was broken on the cross. And then the final blast is the Holy Spirit. And I find in Judaism, on Passover, we have a similar kind of uh, thing with the matzahs on the Passover Seder. We have three matzahs, and we break the middle one. Mm -hmm. So we have whole, broken, whole. And on Rosh Hashanah, the day of the trumpets, whole, broken, whole. And in both situations, the trumpet and the matzah Come are taken away, and then they come back at the very end. Because after the day of trumpets of Rosh Hashanah, they don't blow the shofar again until the end of the Day of Atonement, ten days later. And on the Passover Seder, they take it away. That, that piece of matzah is called the afikoman, which means the dessert. Hmm. And they bring that back at the end of the meal. So think about this. Whole broken hole, and the broken goes away and comes back. What does it sound like? It sounds like Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And the Son is broken, but he comes back at the end. And he comes back when they blow the shofar at the end of the Day of Atonement. It's a long, whole blast. Jesus comes back whole. So, what, what does, how does that tie in with Jesus' birth? If, it's the, if, if Jesus is the broken blast, and it's the day of the broken blast, does that mean it's the day of Jesus? Right? If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, right? So maybe this is a hint that this is the day Jesus was born. Maybe. And, okay. and now Rosh Hashanah moves every year. It's based on a lunar calendar. A lunar calendar, the first day of the month is always the new moon. But a lunar month only has 29 and a half. The, the, the moon rotation is 29 and a half days. Our calendar that we use is a solar calendar, which has 365 days, while the lunar is 354. So every year it falls back 11 days. But the Jews corrected every two or three years by adding a 13th month. Contrast that to Islam, where they also operate on the lunar calendar, but they never correct it. So every year falls back. That's why if you ever you know, observe their 30-day their fast of Ramadan, it can fall out any time of the year, and it falls back. Mm -hmm. You know, when it falls out in the winter, it's not so bad. But when it falls out in the summer, I really feel sorry for them. I know, I know. Because the sunset is so late. I know. 
Anyway, so... Could this be a hint that Jesus was actually born on the Festival of Trumpets, which falls out in the fall, usually around mid-September? If this is the case, then Jesus' conception by Mary through the Holy Ghost would have to take place in December, nine months before, right around Christmas time. So, and I'm, I know I'm going, uh, I know I'm going, you know, I'm veering off here, but this is just asking questions. Could Christmas really be the celebration of the conception of Jesus, not the birth of Jesus? The conception was the real miracle, right? That's Being conceived true. by the Holy Ghost is a big miracle. I mean, yeah. once you're pregnant and you give birth, it's always a miracle, but it's not, you know, an out-of-the-ordinary miracle, right? Mm-hmm. That, he was, that he was conceived without a human father. And then if you look at the tree, and for reasons I'm not going to go too deep into right now, the tree could be representing the Holy Spirit, with the decorations representing the fruits of the Spirit, and then the presents representing the gifts of the Spirit. Interesting? That's kind of a good thought. Yeah. But since children are so involved in Christmas, you don't want to explain to them about conception and why this conception is different. So it's just easier to say it's his birth. They understand that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to give them sex education just to celebrate Christmas, right? Right. Now let's go on to the Pharisees and what they did with the holiday of trumpets. Now, the Pharisees, which are the rabbinical leaders, would not want a Jewish holiday to represent Jesus, right? So they had to come up with an alternative meaning for the holiday of trumpets. So they decided that it was a day of judgment and that it was the first day of the new year. The idea that it is a day of judgment comes from a verse in the Psalms that they took out of context. Because it it is called a law of judgment, but they translated it to mean a day of judgment. And I don't know why they chose this to be the first day of the year when the Bible clearly says the year is supposed to start in the spring. Now, here's another thing going on in this subject. And I call this, but not on the Sabbath. Nevertheless, there is a very odd tradition about Rosh Hashanah, the way the Jews celebrate trumpets. True, they do sound the shofar, the trumpets, in the synagogue on that day. But they do not sound the trumpet if the day falls out on Saturday, which is the Sabbath. Now, why? It is not a violation of the Sabbath to sound the trumpet, and neither does the Bible say that you should not sound it on the, uh, on the Sabbath. Their reason is kind of really far-fetched. They're afraid maybe a student who wants to learn how to blow the shofar will carry it in a public place to the rabbi's house to learn how to blow it. And he will violate the Sabbath by carrying it in public. See, there's a law in the Jewish religion, you can't carry things outside on the Sabbath in a public place. But this is even more far-fetched, because first of all, the Bible never says carrying things is a violation of the Sabbath. And even the rabbis admit that the biblical law only applies to public places with this huge numbers of people. Over 600,000 people pass through it in a day. The only place I could think of that's like that is maybe the Hollywood Freeway or, 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 the, or the Five or something, you know. So if you carry, like in a neighborhood, from house to house, it's only a rabbinical violation. So it seems really strange they would take away a very important law announcing the coming of whatever it is and say, no, nah, we're not going to do that because we're afraid some dumb kid will screw up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I'm trying to figure out what's really behind it. And again, this is all theory. I was wondering if there was something more to this. 
So we know that in the biblical times that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were in a power struggle with Jesus, right? They were terrified that Jesus would cause them to lose their power and control over the Jews. And this is obvious when you read the gospel stories. Jesus also called them out as hypocrites and even called them a den of vipers. Let's read some of that. Okay. Just for fun. Okay. Matthew 23, starting in verse 13. But woe unto you, scribe and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. That is a powerful rebuke. Mm-hmm. And woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, Whoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. And then in Matthew 3, 7, it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So the rabbis didn't like Jesus, and Jesus was really harsh with them. They they they, got, they took it personally. Yeah, I, I I would too. I mean, if somebody said that to you, I, yeah. I, you'd be offended, right? Right. So Jesus also declared himself to be the Lord of the Sabbath. In Matthew twelve eight, it says, "For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day." So what better way to show and exert power and control and authority? over the Jewish people is to negate the ritual that points to Jesus on the day that Jesus is the Lord of that day and show the world that it is the rabbis, not Jesus, that are in charge. Right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're saying don't blow the shofar on Saturday because this rejects that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and shows that the rabbis are in control. They can even change the law and remove laws and the Jewish people follow along. Hmm. Interesting thought. You see, the seemingly unknown nature of the commandment to observe this, how they they really didn't know what it was about, would cause the Jewish people to observe it by faith. And if you don't know what it's for and you're observing it anyway, you're observing it by faith. And if it's pointing to Jesus, you're then giving the Jewish people the opportunity to have faith in Jesus even though they don't know Jesus yet and he hasn't come to earth because you're accepting God's commandment to observe this commandment, this law, by faith, and the faith is towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But the rabbis would have none of that. Right. <clears throat> now, if you want to, I can talk about the absurdity of the Talmud. But you know what? No, let's I'm not. I'm going to skip this part. Yeah, it's, let's not do that. It's silly. Okay. Let's move on to Hanukkah. Okay. So we talked about Christmas. Now let's talk about Hanukkah. Hanukkah, which is the Jewish holiday that falls out around December, around the time of Christmas, and like you said, it changes every year because of the, you know, the lunar and solar calendars are not in sync. Hanukkah celebrates an event that occurred in between the times of the two testaments. Okay? The Greeks conquered Israel just like the Romans did. And they defiled the temple in Jerusalem. And then there was a revolt by a group of people called the Maccabees. They fought against Greece, and they succeeded in driving the Greeks out. 
and they rescued Israel from Greek rule. They also went in and rededicated the temple. They cleaned it up and made it holy again. And in the temple, there was a seven-candle candelabrum called a a menorah, okay, the menorah. And they lit the menorah. Now, where do we learn about the menorah? In Exodus 25. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold, of beaten work shall the candlestick be made, his shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knobs, and his flowers shall all be the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of one side, and three branches out of the candlestick for the other side. Sorry. And there was one in the middle. Okay. But the story goes they only had enough oil to light it for one day. It had to be special pure oil. So it was going to take eight days for them to produce more oil. They had to send out and take eight days. But the, a miracle occurred, and the oil that should have only lasted for one day lasted eight days. So the miracle Hanukkah is celebrated by the Jews by lighting a menorah for eight days. And they light one candle on the first day, two candles on the second day, three candles all the way up to the last day when they light all eight candles. And there's a ninth candle, which is the helper. So it's eight candles that they light, and a ninth helper candle. But this is different than the regular menorah, which is seven candles, right? The one in the temple had seven. <clears throat> seven. The Hanukkah menorah is different than the temple menorah. Okay, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Now, this is kind of odd. Why? Because eventually the temple got destroyed, not by the Greeks, but by the Romans in 70 A.D., so why are the Jews celebrating a dedication to a temple when they don't have the temple anymore? Mm-hmm. And I, I like to tell this joke, which kind of points this out in, in a funny and silly way, if I could. Two men that knew each other when they were young hadn't seen each other until they were old. They were so happy to see each other. And one of them said to the other one, uh, how are you? And he says, I'm not doing so good. He says, why not? He goes, my wife just died. Hmm. He goes, oh my gosh, that's terrible. But I didn't know you were married. So first of all, I want to congratulate you on your wedding and on your marriage and condolences for her passing away. See, at that point, congratulations on the wedding is like, it's silly. It doesn't yeah, make sense. Right. Shouldn't do. So they actually had several different holidays related to the temple and they all went away when the temple was destroyed, but Hanukkah survived. Now, why does not only Hanukkah survive, but it's a major identity for the Jewish people? And they celebrate, people that don't even celebrate Pentecost or Tabernacles, which is actually, you know, a festival in the Bible, but they will celebrate Hanukkah. Because it's close to Christmas, and they want to have fun, too. Oh, really? Yes, that's my point. Because Hanukkah has become the Jewish alternative to Christmas. Right. I said it. There it is. I said it. We all know it. Nobody wants to admit it, but that's the truth. We give our children presents on Hanukkah just like Gentile children get presents on Christmas. It is easier for Jews to endure the holiday season since they have a holiday of their own. Yeah. It's simply too hard to go through the season where everyone is celebrating and they expect everybody else to celebrate, but you got nothing to celebrate. It's just so much easier, you know? Okay. And Hanukkah, interestingly enough, falls out on the 25th day of the month of Kislev. That's the Hebrew month. Just like Christmas falls out on the 25th day of December. 
both on the 25th. And if you actually read the book of Maccabees, which is a book in the Apocrypha, it's not part of the Bible, but it's got some interesting historical things in it. It actually says the miracle of Hanukkah did not occur on the 25th of Kislev. They celebrated the dedication of the temple, and they made that the day, even though the miracle did not occur on that day. So let's talk for a minute about the symbols of the holidays. The symbol of Christmas is the Christmas tree, while the symbol of Hanukkah is the menorah. A menorah is basically two-dimensional, right? They All the candles line up in a straight row, with the branches of the menorah pointing upwards, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, it looks like they believe in God as a single person, not, you know, not complex. And in their religion, they reach up to God. Mm-hmm. But the Christmas tree, however, is three-dimensional. It's round, mm-hmm. right? And the branches reach down. It's, you know, just a menorah is big on the top, bigger on the top than the bottom. Christmas tree is bigger on the bottom than the top. So to me, that symbolizes that, that the Christians believe in a more complex God, the Trinity, and in Christianity, God reaches down to us to save us. We don't reach up to him. He reaches down to us. I would also like to mention that Hanukkah celebrates the last miracle God did under, the Jude- under Judaism, right? The extension of the life of the oil. While Christmas celebrates the first miracle done on Christianity, which was the virgin conce- conception and birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there were no other miracles in between the two. I would also like to mention that there are different levels of miracles. The greatest level of miracle is what I call something from nothing. In other words, when God created the world, he created it from nothing. It wasn't there, and then it was there. The next level is something from something else. You have water, now you have wine, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was water a minute ago, now it's wine. Mm-hmm. And then the next level down is more from less, like the loaves and the fishes. There was a couple of fishes, a couple of loaves, now there's lots of fishes and lots of loaves, right? So if you look at the miracle of Hanukkah, that was more from less, because the oil lasted longer than it should have. Right. Just like the loaves and fishes fed more people than it should have. Mm-hmm. But the miracle of Christmas is something from nothing, because the seed that impregnated Mary just... Where did it come from? It wasn't something that became something else. It was just, just, just appeared. Now let's look at Hanukkah in the Bible. Hanukkah only seems to appear once in the Bible, and it is only mentioned in passing. In the New Testament, in the book of John, in chapter 10, verse 22, it says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. Hanukkah is the dedication of the, you know, the, the Feast of Dedication. Now, if you read the book of Daniel, there are prophecies about the Greeks that seem to foretell the Greek rule and their fall from power and seems to suggest the Hanukkah story in prophecy. Another name for Hanukkah is the Festival of Lights. Now, lights are very important to Christmas and to Hanukkah. On Christmas, we light up our Christmas tree, we put lights on our houses. You know, Hanukkah is all about light, the lights of the candles, and an incrementing light, the light that increases every night. Why is there such a focus on light in these two holidays? Because Jesus is the light of the world. That's, that's very true, but there's something else. Okay. 
Definitely not the reason for Hanukkah. And this is the winter solstice. The winter solstice, which happens on December 21st, is the shortest day of the year, right? The night is the longest and day is the shortest. And ever since the summer solstice in June, which has the longest day and the shortest night, daylight has been gradually decreasing every day, okay? And when it hits the autumnal equinox in September, they're even. But after that, it's still decreasing, but night is longer than day now. Okay? So, for the pagan people early on, this was very upsetting for them. It was getting colder and darker every day. But on December 21st, this trend ended, and the day started to get longer. Okay? So, after a few days, after the uh, winter solstice, they noticed the days are getting longer again, and they wanted to celebrate that. Okay? So, that would definitely be a celebration of light. Right? And these pagan celebrations seeped into Christmas and Hanukkah. And in my opinion, they seeped into Hanukkah a lot more than Christmas. Okay? And, I mean, we see, we see pagan origins of observances, even of Easter. Like Easter bunnies and Easter eggs. Right. That's right. not in the Bible. No. They, actually, they seem more like symbols of fertility. But that's, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, and then Christmas has, you know, it's... Uh, Traditions that may have started in, in the pagan world, but Hanukkah is even more symbolic of this because if if they take the holiday of the winter solstice where light increases every increases every day, Hanukkah the light increases every day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking if I were to design Hanukkah, <laughs> but they didn't ask me. <laughs> Instead of having an eight candle menorah where you light one every day, one day, two, three, four, five. I would light all seven candles eight nights in a row, because that's actually what happened. Okay. Oh, is it really? What they lit seven candles and it lasted every every uh, candle. Yeah, every day in the in the temple when they when when Hanukkah was was created. Oh. Yeah, they, they, the tradition today is to do one, two, three, four, five. But at the time, they did the entire menorah every night. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't. I know, know that. it doesn't match what happened. Hmm. So in conclusion, because I'm now going to conclude, I would like to say that we must remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And the most important part of the holiday season, excuse me, is to celebrate Jesus. All the rest are just things that somehow got added to the celebration of the holiday. It is the message of Jesus Christ is coming to earth in the flesh the salvation received through his crucifixion and the internal life we get as represented by his resurrection, that's all that really matters. And I hope and pray that all people see through all the fluff surrounding this holiday and come to Jesus, confess their sins to him, and believe in him and give him their full faith. Then and only then will the true meaning of the holiday be accomplished. Well, that was very good, Carrie. Interesting. Food for thought. But here's, let me just surmise this. You're saying that you believe that Jesus was conceived in December, consequently born in September. September, yeah. Which, which kind of makes sense. I mean, it would it would be, and and possibly there are sheep on the hills of Jerusalem in September. Yeah. Because it's not it cold. Hasn't, it hasn't gotten so cold that you'd want to have to bring them inside. 
Yeah, that that could be. I just I just in my world of thinking, I place Jesus being born in in the spring. It just to me, a lot of the animals are being born. Why not Jesus? But <clears throat> thank you for that, Carrie. So, listeners, for those of you that have not accepted Jesus as your Savior and would like to do that right now, I would like to lead you in a sinner's prayer. Jesus came as a child, born of a virgin, died on the cross for you and me and everyone. As it, as it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. So Jesus was born to die for our sins because all of us are sinners. It says in the word that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, and that Jesus paid the price. Uh, for your sins. So if you would like to follow me in saying the sinner's prayer, I'd like to lead you. It's not a magical prayer. It's just a prayer that you could mean with your heart. So, dear Jesus, come into my heart and wash it as white as snow. Forgive me for the sins that I've done in the past, in the present, and also for those that I'll do in the future. Help me with my walk with you from this day forward. Help me to find a good church to worship you in, and also that I could get into the Word every day and grow in you. Surround me with people that know you and love you, so I can continue on this journey with you. I give you my heart. I'm making you my Savior, Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a certain repentance that you have to have. It's not that you've said the sinner's prayer and you can go, oh, Billy Heck, with you know your life and do whatever you want. Billy Heck. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Billy. Yeah. Um, we we want we expect that God would change our heart, cleanse it, and are we going to sin? Yes, we'll fall short from time to time. However, <clears throat> we're looking for Him to walk with us daily and correct all the things before it happens. Anyhow, um, if you have done that and would like to tell someone, I would encourage you to. Call Hope Radio or send me an email to On the Road with Jesus um, on my website. On the Road with Jesus. God bless you all and thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. 
spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.